Well, good morning. It's good to see you today. I want to welcome those of you who are joining us uh, from an off-site campus. I'm glad you guys here uh, decided to stop by on the way to the beach this morning. We really appreciate that. I was thinking about Greenville this morning. You don't have a beach, but it's good to have you anyway. Uh, you guys have mountains there, kind of close by. Love, uh, love living in the low country and just worshiping, worshiping the Lord on a weekend. How many of you agree with that? Like that? Okay. All right, about 16 of us actually do. <laughs> Let me ask you another question. How many of you uh, today uh, could use a dose of childlike faith in some area of your life? Just a, an infusion of maybe injection of childlike faith. I think we all could, couldn't we? I mean, you, you look at kids and their faith is so pure. I mean, they're, they're trusting, you know. You say something and uh, in most cases, they're, they're going to believe it. Well, we that are, you know, a little bit older, we're cynical and, you know, the stuff that that causes. Love kids, how their faith is audacious. I mean, they can do anything, you know. Um, they, uh, they, they can, my little grandson, Miles, you know, he's, uh, he loves Mario Brothers. Anybody else have, any, anybody that likes Mario and he not only likes Mario Brothers, but he thinks he is Mario. You know what I mean? It's just like when he grows up, he's going to be Mario because he is Mario now. We're, we're audacious. We're, we're so timid so many times in the things that we believe for, but their faith knows no bounds. They're, they're, I love the innocence of childlike faith, um, the creativity of childlike faith. Uh, Jesus said it this way. He said, I tell you the truth, Luke 18, anyone who doesn't receive the kingdom of God like a child will never enter it. He said, you'll never be able to experience all that God has for you until you kind of approach God and approach life through the eyes of a child with childlike faith. He commends that. You know, uh, childlike faith is something to be aspired to. It's a thing of beauty. How do you know that childishness is not a beautiful thing? There's a difference between childlike faith and childishness. Being childish is childlike behavior that's gone sour. Being childish is a refusal to grow up. Being childish is when a person of any age acts younger than they are. Um, I got a lot of stuff on that. I, I hate it when adults do baby talk, but that's just me, okay? Um, while it's, it's natural for children to act like children, it's expected that they will grow up and stop acting like children, and when they don't, they're being childish. Does anybody know anybody like that? Don't, don't point, okay? Yeah. And we're in a series right now, and I'm loving this series. We're going verse by verse through 1 Corinthians 13. We're calling it Love Is, and we're in week number nine, if you can believe that, of, uh, of talking about love. And this week, um, my scripture is 1 Corinthians 13, 11, and I want to talk about how love needs to grow up. Love needs to grow up. In fact, at the campuses or wherever you might be on the internet here uh, at Long Point in the chapel or the warehouse, why don't you get your outline sheet out or your Bible, whatever you happen to have, and let's read out loud the scripture for the day, 1 Corinthians 13 and verse 11. When I was a child, I spoke and thought and reasoned as a child. 
But when I grew up, I put away childish things. See right there it says, don't do baby talk as adults. So when I was a child, I spoke like one, but when I grew up, I grew up, right? Okay. So acting like a child is okay. It's expected when we're children. But as you grow up, he says, you should put away childish behavior. In other words, what's cute at three is weird at 41. How do you know that? (laughs) Grow up, he says. Grow up in your love. Here's the problem. You see childish behavior everywhere around you in adults. We see it in our families. We see it at school. We see it in the workplace. And we see it in church. Childish behavior. That's why it's so important. And that's why he said what he said is that we've got to think, we've got to reason, and we've got to speak like adults at a certain point in our spiritual growth. And the problem is oftentimes it just goes uncorrected. Nobody says anything about it. And it spoils relationships because spoiled people spoil relationships. And so what I want to do today is I want to look at what childish behavior looks like. And I want to look look at um, how you recognize it, what you do about it in somebody else, but most importantly, how I see it in myself and how I grow in love. Honestly, as I was looking at that this, this week, this could be a series. I mean, you could, just, you could do weeks on, you know, growing up in the Lord and what's childish and, and what's mature behavior. But I just want to take one, one week to look at it. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to skim. I'm going to skim what I think are the top three behaviors um, that, that are kind of cute but not so much with little kids. And I see it in adults, and we just need to grow through it. Now, last weekend, if you were here, uh, we went into the deep end of the pool theologically. I mean, we dealt with some terms, we dealt with some issues that some of you maybe hadn't even heard of before. Well, this week we're going to stay in the kiddie pool, okay? And we're even going to use kiddie language a little bit in order to talk about and really see what it means uh, to grow up. Now, because of Debbie and I's station in life, we have, we have nine grandkids under five years old. I brought a picture just so you could see. This was... I think this was Easter, is I think when it was. Yeah, there's nine of them, okay? All right. Um, so, because of our stage in life, I have a graduate degree in what childish behavior looks like, okay? <laughs> so, I feel like I can talk to you with authority today on some things. And so, what I'm going to do is I'm going to make some observations from things I've seen in my kids and, and some that I've seen in y'all. Uh, <laughs> And, uh, and, and here's what I want you to do as we kind of talk this morning. I want you to, to ask yourself a couple of questions. First, is my faith childlike? Is my faith childlike? Because that's, that's something that Jesus says we need. We need childlike. We need courage and audacity and innocence and creativity and all of those things as we approach God and as we approach one another. That's good. Or are my actions just childish, and I need to grow up. And that's going to be tough. I'm hoping the Holy Spirit will just smack you around just a tiny bit today. And so go, go grow up in this area because it's impacting all your relationships around you, and it's impacting your spiritual growth. So with that, three things that kids do that they need to grow out of, and, uh, and I'll kind of put it in this context. I need to grow up in love when? Here's the first one. 
I throw temper tantrums when I don't get my way. I throw temper tantrums when I don't get my way. See, kids learn fairly quickly that a shortcut to getting what you want is to disrupt the system. It's to disrupt the system. You don't get a decision that you want. Somebody tells you no. You're not the highlight of whatever it happens to be. Well, here's what you do. You disrupt the system, especially if you do it in a public place. Have you ever seen that happen? You know, little Ethan wants something that he can't have. And uh, they're in the grocery store. And so he holds his mother hostage in the little wire cart. You've seen that. I mean, he's in the cart and he's just pitching a fit. She says no. He doesn't take no for an answer. He knows that if he will disrupt the system, she will be forced to do something in his, in his favor. And so, and so he's screaming as loud as he can. Or you've seen sweet little Emma who wants something that she can't currently have, so she begins to bang her lovely head against the wall um, during small group time. You know, and people are going, what's wrong with your child? Well, they're disrupting the system. You say, well, they don't normally do that. And they don't normally until they get into a place where they can manipulate something, okay, disrupt the system. Uh, I had a friend that told me about, he had a little kid that he, his habit was, when he got mad, I mean, he just run, run up to random people and start banging his head on their knee, um, until he, until he hit a guy with a prosthetic leg, and then that was a real problem. But, uh, you, know, have, you know, it's tough when it's your child. It really is. It's hard. I mean, this is a difficult time. It's tough when it's your child, but it's worse when it's your spouse. How many of you know that? Or, or a friend or a coworker or your boss that's holding you hostage, that's disrupting the system because they want something, and, and so they're throwing a little temper tantrum. You, you know, if something happens, it triggers a response. I'm going to control the situation. I'm going to get what I want with my anger. I'm not sure that we go through that process, but that's what we do. It's somebody that their anger just goes off like this in a conversation. Everybody around them, I, I was watching uh, something on TV recently uh, where a, um, a representative, I don't even know what state it was from, but a representative uh, just went ballistic during a speech. And what was, was, I mean, he was just angry, angry, angry. And what was telling was to watch the look on the people behind him and around him. It was like, this is entertaining, and then, oh, this is dangerous. You know, where is this going to go? And everybody gets uncomfortable. You know people like that. They get uncomfortable because they're not sure, is this a dangerous person? Is this a dangerous moment to be around? And they're throwing a temper tantrum as an, as an adult. Or maybe it takes itself out in road rage or where, where people who normally wouldn't do those things uh, find themselves just you know, going nuts. Or, or maybe it's raising their voice uh, in arguments or threats or going off when they, they don't get their way. But a temper tantrum that says, I'm going to disrupt the system because I'm going to get my way here. That's just childish. I think we all know that. That's childish. And what Paul would say is, we don't think like that. As believers, we don't, we don't pull that stuff. We don't act like that. We grow up in our faith. And here's what's interesting, though. As well, probably most people in this room, there are several of us that probably deal with that. And you go, well, you know, I'm a little volatile and stuff. There's some of us that deal with that, that we need to repent and go, you know, it's not just volatile, it's wrong. Sin, wrong. And so I'm going to give it to God to have him help me to deal with it. But, but, there, but, but vast majorities of us would never do that. But what we would do is do passive-aggressive stuff. 
to throw junk into the system in order to kind of confuse things, and we get our way. Now, I'm going to admit to one thing here. It's the only time I've ever done it in my life, but it's to help you to feel good about admitting and confessing your stuff. Okay, so I travel way too much these days. I'm, I um, not only am the pastor here, but I have responsibility for uh, the Ark, which is about 450 churches right now and growing just every every day. And so during the week sometimes, uh, I'll I'll go somewhere and occasionally on a weekend be be uh, speaking at an Ark church or dealing with some some stuff. And and so and that's why when you see me, I'm in first class. What that means is I fly way too much and I get the upgrade, which is awesome. I love it. But anyway, uh, so so I'm flying somewhere the other day, and um, and I've got to tell you that in most cases, the TSA people and you know the airline people, they're just so gracious and they have got a tough job. They've got nobody wants to be you know checked out and all that, and they got a tough job. And they do their job well, but every once in a while you'll run into one that just is a bad apple. I mean, there's a bad apple in every in every barrel. You guys know that. And so I ran into one here just a little while ago, and I'm in the midst of disrobing, which is uncomfortable anyway, you know, in front of lots of people I don't know and going through the scanner and all this kind of stuff. And this guy was just on my back. And so I thought, you know, if I say something, he's got all the tools. If I say something, he'll just throw me off the plane. You, know, you guys have been there. If you've traveled. If I say, so I'm not going to say anything, but I'll fix him. And so I go through the line. And I think I had a jacket and a hat and a belt and watch and shoes and all this kind of stuff that you have to take off. And there's a long line of people. And so I decide, I'm just going to slowly redress. And I'm going to go, do it right here. And so I'm slowly redressing and the line's backing up and this stuff. So I don't think I'm getting him. You know, I mean, just, uh, that'll teach him. And it's like the Lord spoke to me, Pastor Greg. I only get Pastor Greg when it's like, you know... It's usually, I'm just Greg, you know. But uh, it was like, this is childish behavior. This is thinking like a child, acting like a child, reasoning like a child. You are an adult responsible for several thousand people at Seacoast and now hundreds of thousands of people as a leader in my movement. Put your clothes on, you know. <laughs> Passive-aggressive behavior, which says, I mean, and it did absolutely, this guy has no idea, you know, that that's what's going, but what it does, it's childish, it's temper. I'm going to throw a temper tantrum in order that I have my way. See, in churches, people try to get their way and disrupt their, try to disrupt the system um, with their presence, with their power. With their money. A lot of times that happens in smaller churches. I deal with it a lot in, in helping people in smaller churches. I remember the early days of this church. We had about 100 people. And uh, there was a guy that made an appointment with me. And he didn't like the music at our church. I didn't like the music at our church. It wasn't very good, but it's what we had. Okay. And, uh, and, he, and he comes in and he sits down and he says, you know, I don't like the music at our church. And I said, okay. And uh, he said, uh, in order for my family and I to continue to come, and by the way, he was our largest giver. He says, when you're 100 people, you know who the largest givers are. And he says, he says, in order for our family to come, um, 
I'm going to ask that you sing, and it was a certain song that was very popular at the time. It was a good song. It happened to be his favorite song. I'm going to ask that you sing this song, if not every week. You can sing it at least once a month or twice a month. And if you'll do that, I'll put up with the music, and my family will continue to come. And he didn't say this, but, oh, by the way, I'll continue to put my large tithe check in, which feeds your family and all the people that work here. It was a gut check. But what this guy was doing is basically what I said is that the music's not for sale. And he left the church. But what he was doing is he was throwing a temper tantrum. Okay, he was saying, I want my way, and so I'm going to disrupt the system in whatever way I can, whether that's to be angry and loud, whether that's to be passive aggressive, whether that's to withhold my money, withhold my support, whatever it is. And we see adults all the time acting like kids. And Paul says, grow up, grow up. Don't think like kids anymore. Man, when I was a kid, I thought like that. I manipulated the system. I threw temper tantrums. Don't do it. So what do you do about somebody like that? Well, you don't reward bad behavior. You give them a timeout, okay? That's a whole other message. But what if it's me? What if it's me? 1 Corinthians 13, 5, we, we dealt with a few weeks ago. It says, love does not demand, circle the word demand. Love does not demand its own way. In those minutes where the blood starts boiling, the ears are red, and things are, and you're just starting to power up, and you're starting to demand, this is not right. I'm going to get my way. You need, to, you need to think about it. Is this how an adult thinks? Is this how an adult acts? And then repent. Thank God for allowing you to see it. Ask him to help you to grow up in love. One more scripture, just one more word. Be careful about manipulating circumstances to get your own way. Sometimes you want your own way and you want what you want and it seems like you gotta push. Maybe it's for your kids and you gotta push, 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 push. You know, you gotta push other people in order to align circumstances and all of that. Be careful about that. Look at the next verse. Don't demand an audience with the king or push for a place among the great. It's better to wait for an invitation to the head of the table than to be sent away in public disgrace. I love that scripture. It really speaks to me. It says, there'll be times when you feel like you deserve a seat at the table, okay? That could be at work. It could be with your kids in a, you know, the band or school or whatever. And you feel like, man, they deserve, I deserve a seat at the table. And so you push, because if you push hard enough, sometimes you can get the seat, okay? And he says, if you do that, here's what might happen. The king might come in and he might say, you know, there's somebody over here that's a lot more deserving why don't you give up, give your place, and you go sit where they are? How humiliating that is. He says, wait until you're invited. Wait till you're invited, until it's rightfully yours. So don't demand your own way. Don't throw a temper tantrum, okay? Need to grow up. Here's the second observation that I have of kids and adults and where we need to grow up, is kids have this idea that I want it now regardless of the cost. I want it now regardless of the cost. See, young kids have no concept of delayed gratification or unintended consequences. One of the kids that you saw, one of the, the cuties in that picture was Judah. Judah's a, he's the youngest or second youngest. He's real close. I don't know. It, it all is confusing to me. But he's the youngest boy at any point. And, um, and he, uh, do we have a picture of Judah? Yeah, we got a picture of Judah. There he is. Look at how sweet he looks. Look at those eyes. I mean, he's just, he's wonderful. You know why? Because he's got a piece of pizza in his mouth. Let me explain that. Let me explain that. When, when we go to a restaurant, um, with the kids, we always ask, 
You know, they'll come and say, would you like some water or something? We say, we don't care whether we get water. We really don't care about anything. Do you have anything you can cook really, really fast? And just get that here. It doesn't matter what it is. We don't care. It can be anything on the menu. If you cook it really fast, just get it here. Because this guy, Judah, he turns into a monster. When, when, when he sees or smells food, it's like, <laughs> and this cute little blonde-headed guy just goes, it's awful. And it really is. You come with us. I'm not exaggerating that one. It's just like he starts to shake, and it's all kind of stuff. And so what they'll do is they'll bring something out. In that case, it was a pizza. Usually, it's like French fries. You know, like we're health food people. And so it, it'll be like the potato food group. And, and so French fries will come out, and they're always too hot, right, because you asked them to cook them real fast. And so I'll say to Judah, Judah, I, I know you want it now. And I know you think you can't live without it, and I know you think you're ready, but there may be some unintended consequences of biting into that French fry before it cools down. And he's just, (laughs) and I'll say, go for it, dude. How's that working out for you? You know, you always burn something in here. Well, kids aren't the only ones that struggle with delayed gratification. Would you agree with that? In fact, Proverbs 20 and verse 25 says, don't trap yourself by making a rash promise to God and only later counting the cost. Anybody have any testimonies on that? In fact, you could take the word God out there and put anything you want in there. Don't trap yourself by making a rash promise. We do that before we count the cost. I mean, you thought you needed something so badly that you made a commitment before you counted the cost. It can be possessions. You wanted, you know, whatever it happened to be, bling or, you know, it's a car, um, house or, you know, whatever it happens to be. And you, and you just thought you had to, I got to have that. You couldn't sleep at night without it. And, and you didn't count the cost and now you have it. And now you feel like, how am I going to pay for it, you know? Feel like you're in over your head. Or it could be a relationship. You were so lonely, so lonely. All you could think about, you're like Judah, I got to have it, got to have it, got to have it. Childish thinking and reasoning, behavior. And now, now you find yourself, man, you feel almost like you're trapped. Or you, or you thought you were in love and you compromised what you believed to be, to be right. Or maybe it was a position. You wanted it so bad, you short-circuited the process and you didn't do deal, due diligence. And now you feel like, wow, how did, I, how did I land here, you know? The hardest thing to admit is I'm not ready. I'm not ready. Maybe it's maybe the, a good thing, as I didn't qualify or it, it, I had to wait. It's childish behavior, childish behavior. Scripture says this, a, a prudent person foresees danger and takes precautions. The simpleton goes blindly on and suffers the consequences. You ever get so impatient that you'd rather start something new than finishing what, what you're currently doing? Anybody here do that? Look at the next verse. Finishing is better than starting. Patience is better than pride. I did a word study this week just preparing for this message, and um, I couldn't find a single instance in the entire Bible, New Testament or Old Testament, where the use of the word impatient had a good result. She was impatient, and the Lord blessed her mightily. (laughs) Just not in there. Anywhere where impatience is used, something bad happens. And yet, If we were to poll this audience and at the campuses, 
That's probably the biggest thing that we do is, is go forward ahead in impatience without counting the cost. And, and we, see, we, think, we see things uh, happen. So, so what do you do? Maybe your impatience has gotten you in trouble. Here's what you do. Repent. Repent. And thank the Lord for letting you see it before it was too late. You say, Greg, it's already too late. Could you check your pulse? If there's anything going on there, it's not too late. I don't care what's going on in your life. It's not too late. God is able to redeem and to restore. He's just waiting for you to go, I'm sorry. I'm acting like a child here. That's what got me in this situation. Help me to grow in love. Okay? So how do you know you need to grow up in love? When you find yourself throwing temper tantrums to get your own way, when you want it now regardless of the cost, you're going to love the third one. This is, this is why I'm preaching this message. I love the third point here. I won't admit when I've got a stinky. Yeah. Here's how it happens in the Surratt family. We'll have the whole passel of those beautiful little kids around, and there'll be a foul smell. And usually I'm the one that kind of searches it out. And so I'll bring them all around and I'll say, hey, raise your hand if you have a stinky. Nobody. Nobody ever has a stinky. And so, and so I'll kind of go around, walking around and following the bad smell. And usually there are clues. Somebody's walking kind of funny. There's a little lump in the drawers, you know. And so I'll single out the one that I think it is. You know, I'm pretty sure it is. Do you have a stinky? No stinky, Papa. No stinky. And I'm sitting here thinking... Why wouldn't they just admit it? Okay? I mean, it can't feel good, right? How much better it would be to have, you know, a clean diaper, but they won't admit it. Why not? Well, sometimes it's embarrassment. They don't want you to know. You know, it's just kind of embarrassed about what's going on in there. Uh, Sometimes they're having too much fun doing what they're doing to stop for maintenance. If you've had kids, you know how that goes. It's just like, you know, okay, they're having a great time and... Hey, I don't want to stop, you know. And sometimes it's because it's going to hurt to change it. It's going to hurt to change it. Maybe they've had other things that they're not revealing at the proper time, and so you got a little rash in there, and they they know that to change it's going to hurt, and so how I am now doesn't feel good, but it's going to feel worse to change, and so they don't do it. The truth is the longer they put it off, the worse it's going to be. All right. So let's talk about you and me. Who do you know that has a stinky and won't admit it? Hmm? Who has a stinky attitude? And they won't admit it. I mean, you're just, you know, it's always somebody else's fault, or it's the government, it's the Democrats, it's the Republicans, you know, it's Ron Paul, you know, whoever it happens to be, you know, it's just... And I don't get the opportunities, and yet it, it has a stinky attitude. You can just smell it, but they won't admit it. Stinky attitude. Might be a stinky habit. Might be a stinky habit. You know, it's something that everybody around can see. Maybe it's anger. Maybe it's alcohol. Maybe it's a sexual addiction. Could be any of a number of things. It's a stinky habit, but... Nobody will raise their hand and go, I, I have a stinky. Because we're embarrassed. Okay? Or maybe it just seems like it's you know, too, too big of a deal to change. But, but it's there and everybody knows it. It's going to be a problem. Maybe it's a stinky grudge. 
I see lots of Christians that are acting like children in this area. And they just got this, they just got this grudge. Maybe it's an ex, maybe it's a partner, whatever it happens to be. And there's something that happened. There's a grudge. And almost always when you say, you know, I think there's a grudge here. I think you're carrying something. No, 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 no. I don't have a stinky. No. It's real hard to admit. Do you know anybody like that? Something just doesn't smell right. Why not get it changed? Because embarrassment. Sometimes you see people hiding. You know, they don't show up to small group or church or whatever, not around. And, and you go, well, what, what's up? What's going on? And there's just an embarrassment about something that's not right. Or maybe they're too busy or maybe there's the, the afraid of the pain that's involved in changing. The truth is, just like those little kids, it's only going to get Worse. In fact, the only chance of wholeness and health is to raise your hand and say, I got a stinky here. Got a stinky attitude. Got a stinky mindset. Got a stinky habit. I'm carrying a grudge. Whatever it is, it's not right. In fact, 2 Corinthians 2 and verse 15 says something about stinkies. It says, Our lives are a Christ like fra- fragrance raising up to God. <laughs> you know, as Christians, we're supposed to smell good. It says that that's the, that's the norm. And you can't mask your sin with a smile or keeping distance or, or denial. It's childish behavior. It's time to make a trip to the changing table. <laughs> I thought that was funny. Um, 1 John 1.8 and 10 says this. In fact, let's read it out loud together. If we claim to have no sin, we are only fooling ourselves and not living in the truth. Stop right there. Who are are we fooling if we say we don't have sin? Ourselves. And we're not living in the truth. Not living in the truth, but go on. It gets worse. If we claim we have not sinned, we are calling God a liar and showing that his word has no place in our hearts. We go, I don't have stinky. I'm I'm not sinning here. We're calling God a liar. Saying, God, your word doesn't have any place in our hearts. So we we need to confess our sin to God. The good news is this. If we don't hide, if we don't make excuses, if we don't justify, if we just admit it, look what God does in Ephesians chapter one and verse seven. It says, he's so rich in kindness and grace, that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son Jesus and forgave our sins. He has showered, circle the word showered, nothing better for a stinky than a good shower. How many of you would agree with that? He said he has showered his kindness on us along with all wisdom and understanding. All wisdom and understanding literally means that God knew exactly how you would be. And he knew at times your attitude would be terrible. He knew that you would be childish and that you would throw temper tantrums and and pull your, some of you it would be overt and for some of us it would be kind of under the table but we would manipulate things in order to get our own way. In our families, in the church, in the marketplace, he knew that. He knew that there would be times when we wouldn't calculate, when we wouldn't count the costs and we'd find ourselves in, situations that we were totally impatient or that that we got there because of impatience. 
that we would sin. He, he knew that there would times, be times where we would look so much unlike Christ in our communities. And yet it says, and he loved us so much that he provided Jesus Christ to die for us so that if we would confess our sins, if we would put our hands up and say, okay, I'm a sinner, I'm not going to hide it, that he would justify us, that he would shower us with his grace. So what's the answer to childlike behavior or childish behavior, not childlike faith? What's the answer to childish behavior? It's Jesus. It's Jesus. When I'm mad and I'm not getting my way, I need to remember that God is just. Because oftentimes when you have that anger, what triggers it? What triggers it? With me, it's triggered by, I feel like somebody's doing me wrong. I'm not getting the, well, it's not fair, okay? So how does Jesus help us with that? In Psalm 58, and verse 11, it says, there, there truly is a reward for those who live for God. Surely there is a God who judges justly here on the earth. And when I submit my life to God through Jesus Christ, I can give up being the general manager of the universe and trying to right every wrong, especially the ones that are done to me. And I could go, okay, there's a God. He's a lot bigger than me, a lot more powerful than me. And you know what? He's just. And I may get the short stick a few occasions, but he's going to make it up. And I'm not going to have to worry about that. I don't have to hold everybody to everything because I trust Jesus. Jesus is the answer to my, to my anger. Uh, when I'm waiting when I've made a bad decision or I'm about to make a bad decision and I'm waiting and I'm frustrated, I need to remember that God has my back. Lamentations 3 and verse 25, the Lord is good to those who depend on him, to those who search for him. So it is good to wait quietly for salvation from the Lord. I can do that. Why? Because God's good. God's good. And then if I confess my sin, he promises to clean it up, 1 John 1, 9. But if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. So I want to challenge you today. Be childlike in your faith. Innocent, exuberant, enthusiastic, creative. But let's do our best to eliminate childishness. It's going to crop itself up regularly. You're going to see it. In fact, what I'm hoping is after this simple message that you guys start seeing it today in your own behavior. When you start manipulating and demanding to get your way, you go, no, no. The Holy Spirit's going to go, no, that's, that's not childlike faith. That's childish. When, you, when you're about to make a, a, a big decision or even a small decision that's impatient, I'm hoping the Holy Spirit will go, hang on, let's count the cost on that. That's childlike. That's, that's like eating the, the French fry while it's still hot. Just wait. It's going to be okay. Or when you're afraid to admit your own failures and sin, go, no, 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 no. If I'll just raise my hand, if I'll raise my hand, God will cleanse me. But if I don't raise my hand, then God's against me. I want God with me and for me. See, he exalts the humble. He brings the pride to their, the proud to their knees. Let's bow our heads for closing prayer. God, I thank you for your kingdom. I thank you for your word. I thank you for kids and how we can learn from them. And now today, God, I just pray 
that you would speak to us, um, that you would um, give us a sense of uh, honesty as we approach you and clarity as we listen to you. God, is there course correction that we need to make? Maybe there's a situation right now in our lives that it just uh, seems to line up so clearly with the scripture that says, when I was a child, I thought, reasoned, acted as a child, but now I'm going to grow up. So God, just deal with our hearts. Your kingdom come, your will be done. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.